0: Has there been a moment where you were like, I'm done? What did you love the most about me in the beginning and has that changed? How would you describe true love? How did you find couples therapy? Hi, everybody! Welcome back to my podcast. This is Nyla here, um, and today I have such a special guest. No, but really, he is such a special guest. This is Oliver Webb. I can't believe you're here. I'm so excited. I'm also nervous. My palms are sweating, probably because I had way too much coffee, coffee with you earlier. Hi, Ollie.
1: Thank you for having me on. Thank you for letting me come on.
0: Oh, thank you. Okay, wait. So before anything, I have to do the intro because you're an amazing person, but I'm not going to lie. I did have to go on your Wikipedia page only because I know you, but I also, you've done so much. You have done way too many things for people to list. I had to like-
1: To single out.
0: Yeah. Single out some things, but I, I couldn't anyway. If you guys don't know who Oliver is, Oliver is a British racing driver who began his career in karting at the age of only nine years old. He has since raced in numerous world-renowned championships, such as World Endurance Championship, Indy Lights, British Formula 3, Euro Cup, Formula Renault, did I say that right, Renault, Mm -hmm. Dubai 24 Hour, GT Cup, European Le Mans, and many, many more. He's also the brand ambassador for W Motors, Texaco, and Michelin. He also happens to be my husband, my best friend, <laughs> and my baby daddy. Oh. Please welcome Ollie Webb. Woo! How did I do with it? That intro? was a
1: very flattering introduction. Really? And the last bit was very much appreciated.
0: Ah, oh, yes. I'm so proud of you. You have done way too many things in your life. You need to slow down. I think it's th- because the intros can't keep getting longer <laughs> next time you come. No, I'm I'm serious. You are amazing. You've done some incredible things, and that's one of the biggest reasons why I love you is because you are so passionate. What, how does one get in a go-kart like at nine years old? Like, I want to know the true story. Did your parents put you in the go-kart or were you like, mom, dad, I really want to go?
1: No, it was, it was, it was nothing to do with them or family. And that's, that's, a big thing in motorsport is that it normally comes from within the family. You have yeah. these super famous names. Um,
0: Dad was, grandpa was. Yeah, everywhere. exactly.
1: Yeah. You have like Surtees, Fittipaldi, all these famous names. And people, obviously, they've got a passion for it. So in the end, their sons or daughters end up seeing that passion. They see that it makes their parents happy and then they want to do it as well. But, um, so that
0: wasn't the case? With no, you?
1: that wasn't the case. I ended up, uh, the first time I got in a go-kart was on a family holiday. And, um, I finally was Where? tall enough in South of France, okay. family holiday, because my mum's side of the family is French, yeah. as you know, and I was finally tall enough to get in the go-kart that the last two years, my dad and brother every now and then would go into it. It's it, like a little circus go-kart track, like yeah. on some tarmac at a fair. Um, and wow. I got in and they beat, and I beat them and, and they were like, what's going on here?
0: Did that give you like a high? And you were instantly yeah. like, Well, know.
1: I'd never experienced it before and it wasn't. The winning that gave me the high necessarily it was just something that I felt immediately not only good at but without effort good at oh so like, you
0: they, you obviously like you sensed there was talent yeah yeah
1: I sensed there was talent and I sensed that there was ability to add knowledge to this talent to make it better at quite a young age and I didn't have anything at that point that I was super into yeah did you have something at that age that you were I know you were into anime and I know you were into, obviously when you were young, you have things you're into, but was there one, did you have a thing that you were specifically focused on and passionate about?
0: Acting, performing. I was just like how Callie is now. Our daughter is too, And I just see myself in her because I just wanted people to look at me. And it was like, look at me, I'm dancing, look at me. And then I would make really like, funny jokes when the adults were around and if they would laugh and then like I wanted to be popular in my school I wasn't I was it was a complete opposite but I really wanted to be surrounded by people and for me to perform um, but I, there was also like an aspect where I, I, I probably I definitely had a wild side so like yeah now looking back I'm like yeah I can see that girl becoming a skydiver if there was one thing that you can kind of feel like m- was extremely important in making you who you are as a successful racing driver. You'd have to say like, obviously it's hard to pin, you know, pin it down to one thing, but what do you think really, really did it with you other than obviously you've got natural talent of being really quick. What do you think makes a really, really successful? racing driver because there's good drivers out there, but they're not successful.
1: Yeah. Does it have to be one point or can it be a couple?
0: It could be a couple of course.
1: Okay. So if we put like natural talent aside in in any sport, you can put natural talent to Mm -hmm. one side In, in this day and age with the access we have to, to everything on the, even what we're doing now that can be heard tomorrow or tonight or whenever it gets uploaded. I think for me, the biggest change, even just as social media was creeping in, um, was contacts and people and no one will know your talent yeah Yeah, networking exactly no one knows your talent unless you can show that talent if you're relying purely on if you're in college football or basketball or or whatever sport you're in or racing on the people that are there and then at that track at grassroots level spreading your talent or the wikipedia page showing where you finished it's, (laughs) it's not enough yeah um So obviously social media is a great game for that. You have a good page, you win a race, you tell everyone you've run a race. A hundred thousand people, a million people know, depending on your followers. Back in the day when social media was, was only just starting and it was like Facebook and Bebo and MSN Messenger and that was kind of like our era of social media just before and as Instagram was coming out and everything else, it was going to all of the quote unquote kind of old school functions and events that I was maybe a little bit too young to be going at,
0: but you had to go put, and put, put, put yourself out there. Yeah.
1: I didn't necessarily have to go. I just thought, well, okay, there's, wanted to. yeah, there's maybe 10 championships that people have won this year and, and I'm one of them. How yeah. do I make them know my name more than the other nine? So wow. a, lot of the, a lot of the partners and sponsors I have and a lot just of the success nuts. I've had, mm-hmm. um, I know is because I had the talent. But also I know that there's maybe a hundred other people that have done just as good as, as me yeah. in various other championships. Mm-hmm. But I put myself out there so that I was the name on the top of their tongue when wow. it came to making those decisions.
0: Yeah, and there was a lot of things that you had to do other than that. I didn't realize that with motorsport, you have to like bring in sponsorships consistently and you have to fight for your seat. And there's a lot of like um, emotional stress obviously there's physical stress but mentally you need to really really have it in your core to keep going don't you and that's one of the things I look up to you for and I don't know how you do it like how do you you've been knocked down many times just as any other driver has but you keep going and you always come out of it better and stronger and you keep you're always you know winning and I, I don't know how you do it what is that like little niggle like what's that thing that makes you keep going
1: I, yeah it is a tough balance i think there's there's in order to be good in this sport or any sport that is that there is an innate need to be the best in the world but not but singularly the best in the world you somehow want to be the one person that's the best in the world you want to be the michael jordan or the kobe or whatever or, right but On the flip side, I know you said when you get kicked down, a motorsport is different in the sense that, let's say when you get to Formula 1, there is 22, 24 people in the world at the top of that sport rather than 30, 40 people on a football team. And then there's 100 teams. And then there's different countries that play it. Oh, my gosh, yeah. it's, It's so much more finite in that sense. But the ability to be able to kind of keep getting back up and focusing on it is because I have to keep reminding myself in a positive way that when I was that kid karting, I would dream that it would be a career. So every time I kind of, it's like Lego blocks, I keep making a new foundation. My foundation when I came out of karting and start, and got into a scholarship for Formula BMW is okay, right, this is my new foundation and this is the lowest I ever want to go again. So I need to remember that this is what I dreamed of once and now it's my new foundation. So then now my found foundation is, you know, providing a living for us and our family and together doing that and making it my career and then just being at a better championship each time. So if I win a championship, I'm like, right, that's my new foundation. I want to at least be always European Le Mans champion or whatever I am and then go from there. So if I lose the next championship, I need to look back and go, well, it took me 15 years to get to the point I was just at. So then I get happy again. I remind myself and then I can focus forwards. And I know there's a million people that would want to be in this position. So
0: yeah, it's what I call, I have two things I call, uh, Oli math which is the way you make numbers (laughs) um you beautify numbers for me sometimes if something needs to make sense or you do the opposite if something doesn't need to make (laughs) sense or Oli logic which is my favorite ollie logic is the best because your logic is basically like that you're like hold on it took me this long to get to here now i've been knocked down but now i need to remember that it's gonna like nobody taught you this you just kind of you know
1: you but it kind of reflects from from that into life and i'm sure you can you can obviously through through everything you've experienced you can put yourself in those shoes i think is you're always chasing so i've met because of the world i'm in 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 motorsport and in this kind of extravagant paddock life is you meet some incredibly insanely wealthy people who look like they have everything but sometimes they're the most unhappy people and i know it's i know a lot of people have heard that before and 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 kind of the phrases that go alongside it but it's so true and i think the, the journey is a big part of that and you're always going to be on it so i think thinking there is an end goal that if i became a world champion or european champion again that that then it will solve any doubts or self-doubts and everyone has self-doubts it, it doesn't so i need to enjoy it along the way so i need to keep reminding myself of that and the great thing is, is if you can get to a point where reminding you yourself of that and how far you've come and being happy with where you are doesn't halt where you want to go which i think is great obviously you Everyone will probably see your page and what you do and skydiving and traveling and going to the most amazing places. And and now with your own jewellery line and everything else, it's obviously you must hear it a million times. It's it's tough, I guess, when you hear, oh, you must be so happy with X, Y and Z. Yeah. You're very, and so am I, super self-critical. So you're always looking at what can I make better?
0: Yeah, and I think the the most important thing that I learned from you, which you just mentioned as well, is like, I've always been so obsessed with the end. And like, I'm such a daydreamer. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm okay. You're like, be proud of yourself. Take a moment to get give yourself some credit. But I go, no, wait, but it has to be this because my goal is I want to be here. I want to be selling a lot for my jewelry company. I want my podcast to be number one. But I'm focusing so much on the end goal that I'm putting so much current pressure on the present, which is not really allowing me to be happy. And that's something I really struggle with all the time. Um, I am lucky to have a partner like you that can kind of like get me out of it. Obviously, um, and we'll get to this in, in a relationship, you have to like voice what's going on. Because I used to just kind of be quietly like pressuring myself, feeling like shit all of a sudden. Even though I'm doing good things, it was always that, wait a minute, I haven't finished, I haven't, you know... It's like worrying about the end of Le Mans without actually making sure you're putting in the hard work first. Yeah, and, and then you won't,
1: it. and then you, and then you don't enjoy the end result which you wanted in the first place because yeah. you weren't in the right frame of mind during it. Yes. you know, it's not an interesting um, or, or, or wanted to be listened to podcast if if you're stressed and and, and looking time. at notes and not yeah. enjoying it and not enjoying the guest or the yeah. person or the amazing people you get to speak to. Totally. Because it just does just have to be. Natural in that way.
0: hundred percent. I'm really learning this all um, now. So I have one last career question that I'm going to ask you before we get to the questions that are going to be super deep and you might want to leave, but it's okay. You I'm can ready. leave if you want. I've got a quick answers. No, access. I'm kidding. Um, one thing I've always wanted to know and I've never gotten to ask you is in your entire career up until now, has there been a moment where you were like, I'm done? Like, I don't want to do this.
1: No, never. Wow. Never. Uh, there's been moments where I have <clears throat> confusing thoughts or doubts, like, oh, I really didn't enjoy, I don't know, Le Mans this time, but you you don't enjoy it. I don't know, maybe like runners high. I don't have runners high because I don't run enough. But <laughs> I, I, it's the the pain of doing it, and I, I find this when I go and do something that's like, for instance, I've just come from Italy and done. A classic race weekend with with a teammate of mine guy and it was so fun and yes I took it seriously and tried my best but because it wasn't my main championship and it was it was a casual and inverted weekend it's my kind of side job to what I do in my main career I enjoyed the physical driving so much more maybe because I'm going 150 mile an hour less because I'm in an old classic car going down the straight I have time to actually think presently Also, I know I'm kind of deviating in a million different directions, but part of the reason why I enjoy it so much is because of the spare mental capacity I have from the talent I've built up to drive that car in a way where I can consciously drive it instead of subconsciously drive it. It becomes more enjoyable, whereas during Le Mans, during my main career... This, this comes back to your question about have I ever not wanted to do it? No, but sometimes I don't enjoy it, which sounds weird to say, mm. because it's so physically and mentally grueling at the right. time. When it's done and I look back, I go, I'm so glad I did that. And that's an amazing feeling. Maybe like a marathon runner would think. I don't know if they enjoy it while they're doing it.
0: Exactly. That's something also that I learned recently. And it was like, you don't always, I think we have an expectation. I was like, I'm not enjoying this. And again, I do this really badly, which is I give up too quickly. If I start to be like, wait, but this is my passion, but I really didn't enjoy it the last few days. And this is my past thinking past me thinking is I used to be like, well, I'm, 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 maybe it's not meant for me because I'm not enjoying it right now. This means that it's not meant for me. And then I give up. And this is so wrong because when you do things that you love, it doesn't mean that you have to enjoy them thoroughly every single day, but you still have the deep, foundation of loving that thing
1: well, exactly it goes back to if it was easy everyone would do it which yeah. is such a common phrase but it is it, it is so, so true. true yeah and it's not rewarding if it's easy either yeah so like if it was so easy and came so naturally yeah where's the reward afterwards
0: yeah so speaking about things that are easy and aren't easy
1: skydiving no
0: <laughs> we're gonna talk about relationships so i i i wrote down some questions of things that um um you know i wanted to best this to be like a quick kind of fire and stuff that we haven't talked about before but
1: I haven't seen any of these by the way
0: let's just make a pack that there I know yeah that's why I didn't want to show it to you make a pack no hard feelings on it at any point maybe (laughs) Um, okay so my first question what did you love the most about me in the beginning and has that changed
1: if it's not immediate and when I started falling in love with you I think your passion not as in force for skydiving what you were doing but your passion for things was stronger than people that I'd met before um that's
0: the Lebanese side
1: yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah your passion on both sides but obviously because we'd just fallen in love your passion was mainly always a positive passion yeah so therefore that's what I was seeing and that's what I was in love did with.
0: that change now
1: uh, I had more positives to go to. We can skip straight to that part if <laughs> <laughs> no, you want. No, you're still just as passionate about the positive uh, about the positive parts. Can I have but, your water. But naturally, there you go. See, sharing. Yeah. Um. No, I'm not going to drink it now. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the coffee you've had. <gasps> I did tell you that those coffee beans are strong.
0: Honestly, I think I think you can hear my heartbeat on the microphone. I
1: hate that. I get. I get. I kind of like it, it's weird, I should dive no, no, into. No. It. I should
0: unpack why I like it, um, you so like it, did, it didn't change, I'm still passionate.
1: It didn't change, just what you're passionate about, both positive, and obviously when you, when not only are we obviously married, we now have a baby as well, so yeah. you're passionate in both sides, so now I, now I can see the extremes of both sides, and the emotion that you get from both sides. And,
0: and what, what didn't you like, was there like, like let's be completely honest, Everybody sees red flags and I'm no, I know I'm covered in them. <laughs> I know that there's a lot that come along with me. Did you see like a red flag at some point in our relationship in the beginning? And you were like, Ooh, that's, mm, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to put up with that shit. And wait, then, I said
1: yes too quickly. Wait,
0: <laughs> it's okay. We said no hard feelings I and we really meant it.
1: My, my red flag and, and well, at least here's, there's some consistency. It's still there which is that when I first met you is that you were so exciting and passionate and wanted to travel the world and everything you did. And luckily everything I was doing was new to you as well because of the racing and because of the travel and everything. So so it naturally fit that we were doing exciting things, traveling all the time. My red flag at that point was like, how am I going to be able to keep this up? Because like, I love this girl and I love these adventures with her. But also, this is this is my career. So at the moment, I was sacrificing a little bit of the weekends and the things I was doing and traveling a little bit early to those race weekends or or so that, we me to have, like, yeah, so, so that we can have, yeah, so we can have, have those day. memories and and, yeah. and and build them. But I was so not used to that because I hadn't ever let, um, well, not just a girlfriend, but I hadn't ever let another human in so close to my to my race weekends and and the places I was going and my spare time because my spare time. Like I was saying earlier on, my sp- everything I did was dedicated purely to making sure that I. Yeah, was Yeah, you were very
0: happy being, and that's how I knew you liked me, is because you did bring me into the, to this, private space of yours, um, because when I first met you. Um, you were, well, I guess that's, that's the answer to the same question. I'm answering it now. Is yeah. that you were very, very independent and coming from ex relationships that where I had a lot of people, I was in a codependent relationship where the other person just couldn't like do anything unless I was involved in it. It was so refreshing to see how independent and just kind of like got your shit together. Don't need to impress anyone. Don't really need to kind of be inserting yourself into that's that's a very heavy word here because women feel that is like when somebody hits on them or tries to go out with them it's like you feel like this person is trying to insert themselves into your life way too quickly and I didn't feel that with you um and then um when you brought me into your private space I felt like that meant so much more to me than it would have with anyone else because I knew how good you were in your own space. You've got your routine, you've got your passion, you've got your tra- your track days and your races, and you go back and you do your thing, and mm. that's always been. A- and you still do that.
1: I still do. You that. still do
0: that. That's like. A- and so I came in with you know knowing that yeah, it felt it felt like a valuable thing that you did to bring me along with you in life, and I think the biggest thing that um, I feel like we are like, I don't know how to explain it, but like, we were wild. We were like doing everything and we were posting on Instagram every day and we were loving doing like the, you know, we both didn't have this dream to be like an Instagram couple. That was never us. And yeah. that's what I liked to as well. You weren't Instagrammy, like they say, but it, we were enjoying it and we were posting it and everything. And then it was like, okay, this is what people don't see. Is you are like this, and then the actual relationship, the actual marriage, and the actual partnership comes in, and you gotta stay that strong. Yeah, and um, that's what that's what like we kind of then started to kind of f- try to focus on as much as possible. Um, but I don't think there was anything I didn't like about you. I did think that I was gonna drive you crazy, and I think that that stays to now. And that was i wouldn't call it a red flag but when i first met you i was like so we met we met in majorca you were randomly on a wedding just telling people who didn't know you're randomly out on a wedding i was out with my girlfriend i dm'd you after you commented on a picture we ended up meeting that same day um me being the crazy person i am had no idea where we were meeting got you lost got myself lost showed up super late You showed up with a camera, so I thought you wanted to be a photographer. And then next thing you know, we kind of started talking and then we went out that night. Um, I got really drunk and I kissed you. And more than kissed you, I licked your face on the first date licked your face i don't know how this like i don't want to be one of those girls who's like i've never done that before but i swear to god i have never done that
1: before or since
0: (laughs) or since i've I've, you're my husband now and i've not licked your face obviously was a bit drunk but i did feel comfortable with you quite quickly um and then so yeah that's how we met and then i think i saw this like like you are so put together And I hate I know you hate when I say that to you, but like I know that I'm a whirlwind because of my childhood. I've had a rough upbringing. I know that I come with a lot of baggage because I've had kind of like a lot of ups and downs in my life. I've had to navigate life on my own. I've had to learn lessons that people know when they were seven or eight, whatever, or their parents move, you know, teach them. I had to learn those lessons, maybe not at all or learn them slowly. So I I looked and I was like, I'm going to drive this man crazy. Like he is, is he going to be able to put up with me? And fast forward to now, you have done a fucking amazing job. (laughs) You have put up with me, but um, we've had our ups and downs in that say, in that region where we were like, okay, I have so many ups and downs and then you're trying to navigate why and how, Um, but that, but you know.
1: It was was actually easier for me in a way, the fact that I saw you as so, So everything kind of like out of my league, hot, crazy, passionate girl when I first met you, um, or before I even met you, based off what I could see online before I was meeting this crazy girl, um, that it was easier to, to feel put together and not under pressure because I had no preconception or intention for anything that was going to happen. And that actually made it easier. And that's, I, I thought about yeah, that before. Yeah, you weren't like,
0: try hard, nothing. No,
1: because I didn't, th- I said, well, there's no point in me trying hard because <laughs> th- nothing is going to happen. And I think maybe I thought about dates that I'd been on before we ended up getting together. And I and I think I tried harder because I was like, oh, this, this seems like a good match and, and this, might, this might work. But I just didn't have that, I was at a, I was, I was going to this wedding single. I was so focused on racing at the time. Um, this was going to be a crazy 24 hours and, and I'm never going to see you again because I could tell what you were doing and traveling. And anyway, you told me a little bit of your story quite quickly. So I knew I was never going to see, or I thought I was never going to see you again. Yeah. So it made it even easier to relax and be myself. But that's another reason why separate to all of the red flags and the issues every everyone, every relationship has and that we certainly have is that. I can rest assured in knowing that when I first met you and, and as we were getting to know each other, that even when we think we're different people, and did I fall in love with the right person or not, that we were, that we fell in love with each other as the right people. I fell in love with you while seeing red flags and, and, and drunken emotional nights and, and, and all the things that you think of yourself as, as, as red flags. I saw all those and was falling in love with you. With those because I didn't see them maybe in the same way you did, and also I was totally myself. I didn't feel like like if you go on a date and you put on a facade, and then you got to do it again on the second date and the third date and fourth date, or then you sleep together, and then all of a sudden you're together, and you're like, oh wait a minute, I had to like pretend to be this person that I'm not, and I learned these jokes before the date, and I saved up for this to to afford this place, and all of a sudden I've got yeah. to now be a different person. I was me
0: the whole time. The whole and time. That's that's the most attractive thing, and I think that's what we yeah I I yeah I think that you have never failed me in that you've always been yourself and that's so underrated like just literally being the same person it sounds so simplified but it really is true and and
1: so are you I mean it does it you can be the same person you can be a complicated person you're still the same person and same with me I can be a company you're like well that's not who you used to be no it's just you're the same person it's just everyone has a lot of different
0: so we've had obviously we've had our issues every every couple does it's it's a it's a very unrealistic um, kind of view to think that couples are just happy you yeah. know I obviously go like up and down and um, do you think that Instagram or being on social media has ever put a strain on our relationship
1: sometimes I think so I mean it's I'd say so- I think it's certainly hard. Well, no, I'm not being biased, but I but but it's obviously based on my own experience. I, I I'm a guy, so I'm going to base it on being a guy, but I do think it's hard if you're with of course I'm going to say that my wife's good looking, but if you're with an extremely good looking person, no matter how confident you are in yourself, obviously Instagram, especially in the industry that you're in, you're a you're you're a model, so and and with that comes Obviously, and that was hard that's for you, I remember, fault. in
0: the beginning. It was, it was hard yeah, for you. It became easier. We've had like some arguments about it. Yeah. In the beginning, I was posting a lot of, um, I was still kind of like just moving out of LA and I was posting a lot more lingerie stuff. And um, because I've always been free and on my own, I just couldn't at all put myself in the position of the other person, you, mm. and empathize why it was kind of a little bit hard on you to be protective of me. Like and now maybe I look on back on it, I'm like, oh, that's just because he cares. But back then I'm like, why is he trying to be controlling? Yeah.
1: And on your past experience, maybe of of boyfriends, maybe you had boyfriends uh, and partners that that weren't as jealous or that weren't as uh, bothered or that weren't as into you or that were really into you, but didn't care about that side or liked that side. So maybe that's also like it you'd built your own foundation of what a partner, the degree of jealousy a partner should have based on your life experience. Yeah. Which yeah. is the same for me, and, and and vice versa for me as well.
0: But that's something we worked on as well. Like it actually we, got easier. I yeah, think it got so much it, easier.
1: You build trust, and you literally do build trust. And that trust went in a wave. I met you. I fell in love with you. I immediately trusted you because I had no choice and had nothing to experience it on. Then then you go, okay, well, how long have I known this person? I don't actually know what she's like. You find some things out. You find some other things out, and, and then that goes to like this middle ground, and then you have to like build a solid foundation. You know, mm-hmm. you built you built a found You've built it on nothingness in the past and and now i'm in a really comfortable place where of course obviously we're married but but that's just a document it doesn't actually really mean anything in terms of how you trust someone or not well speaking
0: of that that was actually my next question um it, it was it was what did what did marriage mean to you um what is like your view of marriage even since your earlier years when you were younger what did you ever think about okay marriage what does it represent to you was it something that you always wanted was it something that's just like what you said now is it just a document and it's more important to be like give me your actual view on marriage how did what was it in your family as well like what did it represent because uh, you 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 would say you're traditionally well you're not traditional mm. but i would say you are traditionally like um you're british so yeah. marriage there is quite important. And in that culture, Americans don't believe in marriage. Well, you know, we don't believe in anything. <laughs> <laughs> Everything is dissected. and diverse.
1: Um, In terms of, was it something I thought about growing up? I think weirdly early on, like super young teenager, I was always like, Oh, I, I'm really looking forward to having a family actually. Um, Because I hadn't been massively ever on the dating scene, I wasn't necessarily a party animal. Because I was so focused on the career side of things. Then, the more, then even while meeting you and and beforehand, as I was going through life, it then didn't fuss me at all. I was in zero rush. And even when I met you, I knew you were the one forever. I was still in no rush. I was still in a frame of mind of if if. She turns around and tells me, oh, by the way, I don't believe in marriage. I don't care. I'm still staying with you forever. Yeah. Or if you turn around. It's not around, something
0: that you must have. No, yeah.
1: absolutely not. Which I like. I, I wanted to, yeah. but it, but if you said to me, I promise you I'm going to be with you for the rest of my life, but I don't want to get married, fine. Yeah. But also if you said to me, I want to get married, but I want to do it when I'm 40 because I have a mental block about it, also fine. For me, it just came, I don't know, it, came at a, it just came at a natural time. There was.
0: And we had to, we. Yeah, it, it's you're you're bringing me into things in life that are teaching me things that I literally just didn't know. So I have such a um, construed like kind of um, what do they say like a damaged view of marriage from my parents. Um, so I've watched the worst marriage on the face of the planet, and I've never really know anything else until. obviously now I'm getting older and I've seen friends parents who are happily together for 35 years and 40 years and then we're we're working super hard on making sure that we're there and but I didn't really understand how people can stay together forever and just be in love because I literally never saw that and my parents just hated each other so it was very hard for me to be like because when you see it when you're a kid you almost like without subconsciously you just make that your baseline You, you you can't help it yeah so when you proposed to me i was like this is honestly the first thing that went in my head was and this is completely i don't think i've ever told you this but i literally was like fuck i gotta be a better person and i was like why do i think that why did i think that way it's because in my head like the first thing I told you when I when we were like first talking and asking extra questions at that hummus place in London. Yeah. And I said to you, I, I think I'm going to die when I'm 40. I don't even want to live past 40. Like I had all these things in my head where I was like kind of giving up on life. Mm. And um, when you proposed to me, I said, oh my God, like I had no belief in myself being able to be a good wife because I literally didn't even know how. So now I'm like, I am really lucky to have to be in a relationship with somebody who can teach me a lot and even in through our worst times and we've had some bad times recently um, I have to just kind of like go back to what we said at the beginning of the podcast which is just no don't give up too quickly
1: yeah I was just thinking about what we said earlier which is the same thing and if it was easy everyone would do it and you can't okay, it's tough right now. And you you can't just think to yourself, okay, it's tough right now. And this is hard. So, uh, that's my mind telling me I must not want it. And then all of a sudden.
0: That's exactly what I saw growing up. I always saw giving up. Everything was giving up quickly. My dad, my mom, um, just, you know, it was everything we did. If it didn't work out, we just, everybody gives up Mm. and we just kind of like take it back. And then there's a lot of hate. So, I listened to a podcast recently and somebody asked a question and it was very interesting. It was like can two people like me and you mm-hmm. make it in a relationship when somebody has such a bad view on so many things and their perspective has been um you know skewed and, so skewed, much skewed yeah. thank you skewed from trauma and then somebody else who has had a structured and quite focused upbringing, and has built themselves to be a lot stronger emotionally, can it work? And people have different answers. And I feel like we're creating our answer because we want to make it work so yeah. bad and we love each other so much. That's never changed.
1: Yeah, but um, also not not only do, do, for me, not the thing that secures me in feeling better when we have tough times is, is not that, I want it to work because that's a given of course i want it to work it's easy to want anything to be to be easy and and to happen but i i felt i was so far we we are so different and i felt i was so far the other way that if anything when i was younger or not even younger just before i met you interfered with my one goal and focus in life or who i was as a person because i wouldn't change for anyone then then that doesn't fit in my, my life But I I knew immediately and there's never been a doubt in my mind in any point. And we have been through some really tough times where I'm thinking you're so different and so far off what fits into my norm and what what on paper would work. But I've never once believed that that is a negative or thought of it as, oh, you're affecting my direction of the life that I want to go in. I just constantly feel uh, and it, it sounds like a line, I do constantly feel privileged to have you in my life. Therefore, I want to now all of a sudden change what was my box to fit into... Because no matter how tough times get between us, I feel like life is still better with you in it. Yeah. So it makes it easy to move my box around to, to fit you back into it. And if you move, I'll just go over there and put the box back over there because it just it's better with you in it than oh, having that's something... So sweet. No, but it's true because you, you can you're... have something that... You, before I met you, if I could have a secretary be my wife, that would be ideal. And then I could she, <laughs> she just would book
0: all your flights. Book all she my flights. Fits
1: in. She only gets to see she me Monday, Tuesday, chef. Wednesday. Good. What? Good chef. Oh, I was to say good shag. <laughs> good shag. <Right. laughs> she has to yeah. be a good shag as yeah. well. Yeah. And
0: <laughs> that's okay. You can have that as one of your boxes today. I didn't take. have to move the box for that. <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> so but, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but you are actually giving women out there a lot of hope. I'll tell you why and about what. Oh, wait, if s- I
1: have options, I take all that back. No, no I'm kidding, I'm kidding.
0: Stop, no, you, what you said was so sweet. <laughs> but you are giving women out their hope, I'll tell you why. Like, I hear this a lot from a lot of women and, and my friends, and, and I've thought the same thing before. It's like, do men have the capability of changing? And women ask this all the time, and I've heard that, no way, women don't, uh, men don't want to change. They are who they are. And especially with age, if they're older, like it's just, this is, you no, this is just with it. And I used to believe that too, um, because I've seen my mom yell at my dad to change things and it just never changed. And I've been in relationships where I'm like, this is going to change and I've given it hope and it doesn't, but you have set a such, um, a different You've painted such a different picture for me now that I can look at and be like, wait, this all, all of those things I was thinking about before, I'm, re- I'm really finding it hard to find words today, by the way. But um, you, did, you did change massively in the ways that would help our relationship. And I hope I could say the same thing about myself. I'm still trying to be constantly working on myself. But you are did change, you grew. And it makes women out there should have hope. You can't just meet someone and be like, that's who he is, I don't like that um, it's over. You could work, if you work on things together, you really can change both of you and grow to be better people.
1: Yeah. And I, I think I don't,
0: I I wouldn't recognize myself when I first met you, if I met her, met her now.
1: Yeah. No, I wouldn't wouldn't
0: even recognize you. You know what I I mean? I
1: wouldn't either. And I think it's tough to in, in, in hard moments, there's up and downs that happen where, uh, and I see it in you as well. You go, okay, yes, that's changed, but that's not who he is I want it to be who he is and I don't want to see that's the hard part that's it's like the when hard you start part to find
0: I, if it's sustainable or not
1: I sustainable is not really the point I was going at but yes that's true because you want that change to be sustainable that's a given fine but I think seeing the effort into putting in the change and seeing that as enough rather than going okay I see the change and he's going to do or she's going to do X, Y, and Z forever. Uh, but they're only doing it because I asked them to and it's not who they were. Because some people are like that. They, I
0: do that sometimes. And, and, and I think really that, that's and
1: that's what I'm saying. And I think, I think that's a tough one. Because if you've got someone who loves you and is changing themselves for you and consistently, okay, fine. If they do it once, and they never do it again, then fine. That is wrong. Yeah. But if they're consistently doing that, that should be even more of a positive taken in the fact that you love their foundation. Yeah than someone who finds it easy to do X, Y, and Z, because then they're not putting in the effort. That's who they were anyway. You find all the things that are wrong with your partner uh, that are easy for someone else. They might do the things that were easy for the other partner and find it hard to do those bits. So I think seeing an active change should be a positive. And you shouldn't see that and go, and I'm guilty of that as well, um, and I shouldn't see, uh, cause we do it. You, I can't think of a specific situation, but let's say you do something you don't normally do. And I go, oh, it's really nice of her to do that. But I know she only did it because of X, Y, and Z. She probably won't do it next time. That's a really negative way to, to think yeah. about it rather than going, I'm like, I'm so glad this is like changing over time.
0: Yeah. A lot of it is cultural as well. And I'm not making excuses, but I have to also go back deep down and unpack reasons why. That's who we are. That's yeah. Totally. Reasons why I do or say, certain things and I I have it's very hard for me to say this but it is the truth and it needs to be said and I say it to myself all the time but I do have a very negative way at looking at life sometimes and I don't know where it comes from it probably generates from my childhood and my parents. With everything I struggle with now is generating from that. But I'm trying as much as I can to use it as a lesson. But I do now realize that I look at things quite negatively sometimes. And if someone does something nice, I do find a reason why they did it, and I think, well, they only did it because of that. And then that really comes into a marriage where it's like, you know, you got to give the other person a chance <laughs> because they're really trying here. Um, but yeah, like this is, this is so, this is, they're very therapeutic. <laughs> this is very therapeutic for me. Uh, but
1: also on that note, I think I th- you need to know that that, that thing that they've done is, is a positive and is going to happen again. But also, I, and this is what you say sometimes, uh, and I know you think sometimes about me is that um, maybe I act as though I don't care about certain situations or that I'm not thinking deep enough into it in, in a particular situation. But for me, sometimes, igno- not ignorance is bliss, but just, Taking the positive out of something and, and dumping the rest of the baggage so that you can continue with your day, yeah. your week, your month, your life in a positive attitude. Because if I take something uh, in the morning on a, on, a, on a race weekend or I'm about to spend the day with you and something happens to me, if I can just take the positive from that and go forward, everything else I'll do for the rest of the yeah. day, that, that will sprinkle over the, yeah. everything else.
0: Yeah. I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I, I need to do that because otherwise my day is just messed up over yeah. something so stupid that doesn't even need to to live in my mind or yours. Um, so should we keep going with these questions? I'm not sure. Are you Are you okay? I think so. I think you're doing great. Um, okay.
1: You, you just gave me a look like you're not about to be, like I'm about to get you.
0: No, I'm not traditidic. Okay. I want to talk more about your past relationships. Yeah. Okay. Can you list three things you've learned from your exes?
1: Three things I've learned from my exes. The
0: See, this is why I didn't tell you the questions before. Can I borrow your water again? Oh,
1: so <laughs> that now I can actually like think about it on the spot. Three things I've learned from my exes. Yeah, I wasn't um, going to ask you um, questions. But you can't before. get time back. So I think I used to find it very easy That's to... That's such a good answer. Well, no. Yeah, that I, find, I used to find it very easy. Uh, go to work, come back... Uh, and then in my head, I'd be like, w- w- you know, what are you talking about? This is our time now. This is fine. Rather than putting myself in the other person's shoes of maybe how much were they missing me or maybe they weren't doing the same thing I was doing on the Are you saying weekend, you miss your exes? All the time. Sorry, I misheard. No. <laughs> and also because of what I do, my, the main... Okay, yes, I work all the time now. But before then, I mainly worked on weekends, which mm-hmm. is when your partner's not working. So... For me, it seemed strange. Like, what are you talking about? I'm here now, and they're like, "Yeah, but I'm at work now, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So now I only get the evenings with you." Yeah. Uh, put so I think the second point tied into that would be then putting yourself in someone else's shoes. I didn't want to do that. I didn't like to do that. I it took focus and energy out of my time. I used to see my time as a hundred pennies in a bag, and if I gave up anything, I'd have to give one of those pennies away. And I want to. Why be able do you think keep, you think that way? That I would.
0: Why do you feel like you think that way? You seem to think always like. I think
1: that was mainly racing induced because everything derived from time, obviously. Time is money. Time, ta- well, no, but no, time is time. Time is getting pole position. Time is hundreds. And and because it's such small margins, that means I need to be in the gym a minute longer than that person. I need to eat slightly better than that person. I need to not waste time on that person. That But it was very analytical, which obviously is part of now my personality mm. because I was so ingrained with it. And, in the sport I'm in, you grow up very quickly, you're forced to grow up very quickly. You know, I'm going on planes to to, to Asia or Australia as like a young, young teenager, like when you still had to like be accompanied to the plane. You yeah, have your boarding pass around your neck and
0: that's crazy.
1: Flying around the world super early for like a job carrying my helmet around. And I think that forced me to grow up very early and maybe also numb myself very early to the to that stuff on the outside.
0: I'm here to unnumb you now. Yeah. I've brought all the emotions out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here that's to torture true. you. Do you feel like you're actively working on yourself right now?
1: Yes, now. Maybe before it was more important to me to financially support us and to, and to. I prioritized things to a point where I was like, I know this is best for us in the end, so I'll work on this now, regardless of the emotional side of current happiness. Whereas I think now, those things can go hand in hand. And I used to think a bit like the time situation where I'm like giving one thing away to be able to do another thing. Those things can be done at the same time. I need to be because it can't just be a, I can't sacrifice working on myself to do what I think is better for us in the future if there's no going to be us in future because I've not worked on myself to give us happiness. You know what I mean? So it feels, it doesn't feel like a sacrifice of other things I'm doing for us, because m- me being a better person for you makes me happier anyway, because then you're happier around me. Mm. It's it's, it, it's tough, because at the start, you think, why do I have to change for this person? There's, there's surely someone out there who loves me as I am. Well, it's
0: not even like change as well, because it's like, it, it's almost, it's definitely, and I'm not being tacky, but like, it, it is growth, because- nobody's perfect and then everybody knows that they have their issues but when you live on your own and you're not in a partnership those issues don't matter you just kind of live with them you live with you and you're like this is me it doesn't matter but then when you're in a partnership you have to combine each other's everything your energies Mm -hmm. your lives your past lives everything has to come in together and just like be peaceful in this like space so if you don't work on yourself then you can't possibly be a good partner um i learned this I learned this also from our relationship because I've been in relationships one or two, two um, serious relationships before and I never really thought I needed to work on myself, which is funny because I've always probably needed to work on myself again because of past traumas and that trauma happened to me when I was very young. So obviously, I've had this baggage along with me with all my relationships. But with us, I decided I need to find a way to... Um, dive deep into this and find out why I'm acting like this, saying this and everything. And you didn't tell me to do that. I told myself, mm. you didn't say you need to go to therapy. Um, so I started going to therapy for that reason. And I'm continuing to, and I'm definitely, there's no such thing as like being healed. You know, I'm still do, dealing with it. Yeah, and we're not a
1: battery. We don't go up to a hundred percent. You know, e- exactly. there's no number.
0: Exactly. But let's talk about couples therapy because we've done couples therapy before yeah. and you have never done therapy before. I and-
1: no. Before that time? No, alone or in a couple, no.
0: Alone or in a couple. And how did you find couples therapy? These are questions that I never got to ask you. Yeah. So.
1: I think it's, it. the main thing was, is that it was a space to say stuff that I don't think you'd say in the same way when it's just one-on-one. Therefore it's. Do you okay.
0: think I'm quite hard to speak to in an argument?
1: Yeah. Hmm. But I think it's almost like a mediator, you know, someone in the middle. And so you're, you're saying that thing you don't want to say to the other person's face to them via them, yeah. it then gets filtered and sent back to the other side of the sofa. Yeah. But it, And also uh, it's someone who's present in case someone murders each other. So you well, this, stop that happening. This
0: is actually all, um, this is all me as well. My arguing style is very different than you. And this is where, again, culture, upbringing, everything comes in. You are <laughs> calm-ish, but mostly calm. But compared to me, I'm the, um, the one yelling. I'm the one who's angry. I'm the one who doesn't let you speak. Now we kind of have, I, I think, solved that problem where we, well, you always have to bring me down to calm me down first. And that's maybe unfair on you, but I think you've now made it peace with that. You're like, look, I know she's angry now and everything she's going to say is just going to be an argument. So I'm going to get her down first to calm down. And then we go now, we sit down and we try to talk, mm. like we'd like talk, talk. Um, we tend to do it over dinner and like one drink, nothing crazy. And then mm-hmm. say this, 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 not, I'm happy with that. I feel like we do communicate a bit better because of therapy, but I do remember our bad times, um, where she's had to be like, make me hear the things that I'm saying, like that are just coming out of anger that are not really true. Yeah. Like I remember this one time when I was saying like, you want someone else, Ali, you want someone yeah. else. You don't want me. You're looking for someone else. And that was my own insecurity. And she said, I'm not hearing that at all. He's saying he, everything he has said, he's saying he wants you. Mm. But you're hearing that he wants someone else. Yeah. So why do you think that he's not wanting someone else? It's because I was insecure and felt like I was, someone who's incompatible with you and that came out and then that boom therapist caught it caught <This is, laughs> it and that's why I loved going to therapy um I was very happy that you were open to it um I have heard that men apparently just don't feel like you know I've heard the the husband saying to the wives like my friends have told me this like I don't need therapy it's it, the problem is really you and that's really sad that that happens I'm very glad that you weren't that way um, you were very open to kind of talking to things with me. Do you think we should still go to th- therapy?
1: I think so. Yeah. I think it's, I think because we're so different, it made it, uh, therapy was easier to open up to me because if this is just, I'd say a lot of people were very, okay. A lot of people, a lot, although I've met lots of people and traveled a lot, the people close to me were, were similar enough to me with similar enough views um, that you have a, a fairly tunneled way of thinking. And that's why I, I was always saying about networking and meeting more people, not only helping for the sport, but you understand the types of personality and people that are out there. And that's what opened me up a little bit more to therapy because it not only does it help us, I think it helps other people we meet and, and life in general and how you and how you treat.
0: You mean as in it helps you understand other people's personalities yeah, exactly. as well? Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, e- even in turn with us, while we're going to therapy, I feel like every single time we ever do something together or do therapy or, or, or now singularly I actually do it. I also do it alone now. So- when we're doing that, I feel like we're helping. I feel like 20% of every session we go to some only maths for you, (laughs) 20% of every session we go to is for Callie as well, because the better we are, the the better she is. And, and and that's become a bigger and bigger part of my life, obviously from learning and understanding your background, because as much as I shouldn't feel guilty about having um, a background and an upbringing that didn't have any trauma or much trauma, it, is having a partner that has been through that is obviously even you're more sensitive to something that that let's say i don't know we uh, we we drop a pan or we we shout at cali or we shout at each other or say something i know you don't like anything in front of cali because obviously you refer to where it could escalate to or you have it in your mind that i don't mean you you tell me it's
0: the truth though it's the truth like you if you fight in front of kids no matter how young they are trust me they know yeah and that's something like I'm not just saying that because I've been through trauma. I'm saying that because I genuinely have hmm. early memories that I shouldn't have that was, like when I did cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, um, where basically they dive into your brain and they try to get you, by, by communication and by talking, uh, try to get you through conversation to talk about these memories and stuff. And then they then match them up to the behavior Um, that you have now in the present. So that's cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, I had memories of things that happened when I was like three, like a year older than Cali. Hmm. Like we went back into the years and it's like, that wasn't, wait, I was in Germany or I was there. It's like, I was way too young to have those memories, but I have those memories because they were so um, significant and Mm -hmm. obviously traumatic or just important. And they caused me to cry or they caused someone else to cry. So when we have an argument I completely shut off if Callie's there. Um, And yeah, I'm also learning that I tend to only think about my side in an argument. When I'm in fight or flight mode, because I've had to, in my uh, my upbringing, I had to cope by just being like protecting myself. Mm. So I had to shut myself off from the world. Now that's kind of bit me in the ass because now in my marriage, when someone else is saying something to me, I'm reverting to this like... Let's call it a character. I'm re- reverting to this character that's shut off, that's protective that's not listening and that's just going into this like safe spot right here if you think about it like sitting like when I cover my ears. yeah. But it's not even that bad. We don't argue that badly. It's not even a big deal. sometimes it's about something that's in the fridge that's expired. but I've already gone into this mm. person that I've created these like characters that you create when you're younger that how you cope with war basically.
1: And then I'm just another person on the outside.
0: And then you're just another person. But I think you're finding, and I'm, and I think that sort of therapy comes in Is like, you're finding a way to navigate that by silence. Cause you used to be like, talk to me. Why are you pushing me away? Don't push me away. I want to mm. touch you. And then I would be like, ah, and then now I think you're kind of taking a deep breath. And that really means a lot to me because that is such a change. Mm. Um, because, Sure, I'm working on myself and I'm trying to grow and I'm trying to change as much as possible so that we can have so much more peace in our relationship. But there are things that I'm realizing now that unfortunately have been, you know, like tattooed in that I just, I, I'm really going to struggle to get them out, which is that little girl that like has to cover her ears or the shouter, the yeller. Yeah. Um, 100% can it change? Of course, 100%. But there's no quick fix and it's like a constant, um, it's a constant battle being me. <laughs> it's I've quite seen, sad, actually. I've seen a lot of progression. am going to cry I, right it's now.
1: It's not, no. No. I've seen a lot of progression and it's not something that anyone should tell you should you should just be able to fix. And, it, and it's ingrained in you from, like you're saying about um, CBT and the things that you remember from younger. I don't think I can remember my first six years.
0: Uh, by the I, way. I might have so, like three
1: memories. Right,
0: so that... Next. Do you know Mel Robbins? Yes. Okay. Mel Robbins did actually a episode on that a podcast on that. And it actually means that you do have trauma.
1: And I've, I've covered it up.
0: You've covered it up. Because the fact of like, it, it literally is an episode about people who say, I don't remember anything from my childhood. And some people literally have no, even with cognitive behavioral therapy, they have no memories. Um, so there's two things to that. Do you want me to tell you? It's really interesting.
1: Well, my youngest memory is when my brother pushed me down the stairs and I cracked my head open. Trauma. So maybe I don't remember anything before then because he knocked it all out of me. <laughs> I don't remember it, so you can go there.
0: So you don't remember anything from your childhood. That's no, I
1: remember like, like no, not that's, that's too generalized.
0: Okay, but you said that you maybe have three memories of your childhood. because Yes,
1: I think below like six.
0: Below Are six? Are we meant
1: to remember that far back? You're
0: meant to you're remember. You're acting like you're meant
1: to remember everything. No,
0: but- it's not that you're meant to remember, but you should have more memories than you do.
1: I have little snippets and the memories that I do have are so vivid and like I can picture the color of the carpet and exactly what happened and the expressions and the sound of like super random, what I would consider unrelevant. I don't know. Maybe some will unpack them and they'll be super relevant.
0: Do you want to do, you should probably unpack them because, and I'm sorry to say should because it's none Mm. of my business, but maybe you might find it helpful. Um, See, marriage talk. Um, Mel Robbins, mm-hmm. one of my favorite humans and very inspiring author and podcaster, she said that actually it could be a one of two reasons. There is a, the second one's super interesting. So I'm going to start with okay. it. When your parents speak about other siblings, memories, mm-hmm. and things that have gone down with them consistently, it ends up shading your memories of yourself. And your parents totally do that. There's one kid that they talk about all the time. And apparently growing up with that shades your, um, compromises your memory of your own. That's what she said. I didn't say it. But apparently that's one of the reasons. So if you're constantly growing up around siblings that are being talked about in the family and the stories are constantly coming up, you start to completely dis- dis- uh, dissociate and disconnect from your own. Because okay. it's basically become more... Uh, prevalent that that is what everybody else has given attention to Mm -hmm. never would i have guessed that but when she said that i was like that is so fucking interesting um and the other one is if you actually really have been through some stuff not been through trauma like it doesn't have to be like the shit you know that really deep crazy like you've got a lovely family but there are some things maybe you didn't you genuinely didn't want to remember so L- not remembering childhood memories doesn't mean that everything was fine.
1: No, I, I don't think maybe that, 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 that that's necessarily what it means. I, Are you
0: just evaluating your whole life right no, now? I'm you, to, you're I'm, like uh, I'm trying
1: really hard to think of like outside of the memories I always know that I remember. But no, but I also think I just have a really bad memory.
0: Do you think we spent too much money on our wedding?
1: <laughs> yes, 100%.
0: What was the most memorable thing about it because obviously oh, the it was bills all
1: um the, no i'm kidding i'm <laughs> going. the most memorable thing of it
0: obviously they're all memorable but is it just like this they're just like oh, Calli- one moment Callie
1: walking up to me
0: oh my god
1: cali walking up to me because
0: that was so sweet those are her first steps
1: kept two things three things four no oh. i'm now i'm thinking of them all hmm. the first two i thought of were cali because because they were pretty much her her longest no, no they were her longest steps today they yeah. weren't her first steps. she'd done a few and we were like, oh, I wonder if she was a fairly late. I don't know. I don't know was late or early as a walker, whatever. For, for my philosophy, and I think yours always also, is they'll walk when they can walk, they can talk when they can talk, and they can do, you know, it. it she's never going to be 20 and can't count and can't walk. So we never rushed any of that, did we? We just, it happened when it happened. But yeah, she walked up to me down the aisle. That
0: was so sweet.
1: Never thought that'd be a thing to have at the wedding. And not once... This is interesting, actually. Maybe it's less of a thing now, but certainly for old school English families in the past, you know, you 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 get married, then you have a kid. Yeah, we had a kid at our wedding, which, when you're really young, or at least in 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 my life, and probably in your life as well, because obviously, because um, of the culture and places you lived.
0: That that was my dream, sh-
1: though. Yeah, but it's 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 not, not meant norm. to be that. Yeah. It's not the norm. But, but I didn't think twice about that th- at the wedding. Um, the other one was was when you effectively told the minister to shut it because he was talking he about stuff you didn't like. talked for
0: way too long.
1: He was so sweet and really nice. He but was he, so but sweet. He, we thought when he came to speak to us that uh, the questions he was asking were for him to have a background on us, not as information and material for I his stand-up s- act. So
0: mad. Anyway, we're deviating. Because nowhere, no, no, but yeah, (laughs) I was so mad. He took so long and he was talking about Instagram and I was like, oh my God, just get on with it. And I really do wish that he didn't because I walked in, I looked your eyes and it was such a beautiful moment. And I wanted to just process it. Hmm. If it was up to me, we would have had, you know, like, this is so bad, but you know, like the moment of silence. I I would have wanted no one to. say say I would
1: have just about to say silence.
0: Me and you hold hands for a minute. Listen to the song. It was our favorite song on the violin. Uh, you know...
1: I wish there was a way in weddings where you could birds have... Birds chirping. Exactly. That, with the with the band behind and the view that we had, for maybe for 5, 10, 15 minutes, and then everyone walks in and sits down, and we're already there. Yeah. Then you've had your moment, and then the bit's for everyone else, isn't it? Because yeah. really, it's for everyone else in the end. like In the end, yeah. So those two, and then the kiss, because apparently we had the world's longest altar kiss. Yes, we did. Which... I wanted As to it gross was everyone happening, out. I really felt wanted like everyone. the world's shortest kiss. Oh, and I, n- I had no idea afterwards when there was a few remarks. I was like, "What?" Genuinely, I genuinely, time froze. Yeah. Literally, genuinely time, f- time froze. Yeah, genuinely,
0: time froze. I wanted to gross everyone out. I don't know why. I was like, "Come here and get me everything." It was amazing. I was like, "Ah." I, I really just wanted to kiss you like forever. But that was another thing of me taking the moment of silence. Like that yeah. was me taking a moment just to process. Like you don't even get time to process anything. It was like blink and it's gone. And then you're, you're uh, it was just like, honestly, if I now, I would want to redo this every year, me and you, we somehow find a string quartet somewhere and just have a slow dance.
1: The, the, the day after that we did was amazing. So just give you
0: a, a, a hint for the next yeah. date. Make Got sure it. you write
1: Take that it down. Yeah. Um, the day that we had the day after was just a great idea and actually that didn't feel rushed at all and no. I feel like I remember that day really well yeah. the actual wedding day I don't re- that
0: went too quickly went way too quickly yeah
1: yeah oh I was gonna ask you when we were talking mm-hmm. about um when we were talking about relationships and if you thought I ever had the one is um did, you, did when you were asking I should have asked you back when you asked me about did you always want to get married and i've put a similar question to you as did you always dream of kind of like that fairy tale life or did you prefer to at some point we were like i just want to go and live life alone i just want to do my own thing or did you always want to have someone that was gonna not look after you but be there with you and support you
0: uh ooh. And we're gonna wrap with this? Oh God. Well, no, this is why I'm saying uh, I shouldn't
1: start asking. No, no,
0: no, I, you're doing the right thing. Um, I mean, look, I'm not going to beat around the bush. A lot of times in my life, I've learned to be on my own, mm. right? That's how I've grown up, that's how I've been. I've strengthened myself so much to be on my own, almost too much, that if somebody comes too close in then I kind of like revert to being isolating myself and that's wrong. I'm Mm. learning now not to do that as much as possible. Um, I do love my own space and I did at one point before meeting you and after I broke up with my ex when I was single, think if I'm successful and I'm doing what I like, I don't understand why I would want to share this with anyone else, which is such a bad thing to think.
1: And that's what I was thinking when you were talking about, um, like fuck boys earlier on or how, I was thinking. Well, in a way, a small part of me thought that if you were or, or doing your own thing at that point, if you hadn't sold part of the business that you're already involved with, or you were still involved with that, maybe that would be you. Maybe that would be what you'd want. You don't have to get too emotional with someone. You can have someone every now and then. And I have then... A, I
0: have an answer to that, and um, and again, from learning a lot about myself in the past, I'd say five years, and from studying and researching and t- and. and from writing my own TED Talk, like having my story in front of me.
1: Which we've not even I spoken learned, about, by the way. We've we're not even spoken about Extremely about proud of you for that. Thank every you day. so
0: much. Thank you. I love that you're proud of me. I wish you were there. Um, sure I, was there too. I now know that I actually don't do well on my own. I... I think I learned that from being with you because I feel when I'm with you, I feel safe and empowered and I feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. When I'm alone, I have a lot of anxious moments. I overthink. I have no one to grab me back, to pull me back from that deep hole. Um, I do obviously have been diagnosed with clinical depression before. So I do have depressive tendencies. And those things all match up to maybe you do need somebody to hold your hand. Mm -hmm. And I think if I was that person that when I was younger and crazy and thought, oh my God, I just want to be successful and live on my own and be independent and blah, blah, blah. If I... Even if I had all those things, I would have realized very, very quickly that money and materialistic stuff and validation from work or people respecting me is still not going to be the hand that's going to hold my hand at the end of the night because that is what makes me feel safe. I mean, I've grown up feeling so unsafe for so long. Then now when I get that feeling of like feeling safe and comfortable, I know it so quickly. And when I feel it, I'm like, ah, and I only feel that by being next to you. So which is I would have dreamt about it, but it, it wouldn't have been the right thing to dream about.
1: It, Which is a dub, double-edged sword in the sense that I now hold that responsibility in a sense. Yeah. So I can't... Um, it's almost like you can't, can't have your moments. Because no, it's not that I can't lose the trust of... Um, mm. Sorry, it didn't mean to cut you off. No, I'm oh. sure it's what you're about to say as well, but it's it, it's that I can't um, abuse that trust of, of what that person is, and also I now bear a lot of responsibility of maybe people you didn't have in your life that should have treated you like X, Y, and Z, and I feel like I do play more of a role than than just a husband, and maybe every husband should, and that's fine by yeah. I me. Mean. And I
0: think that's your struggle as somebody who do, who's in a partnership with, who's in a marriage with somebody who has been through these things, it's almost like you have to learn how to love me because Mm -hmm. maybe loving someone else would be a lot easier or different or it would come along a lot easier. But there's obviously like a lot of things that yet, like you said, you have to wear a lot of hats. You have to, you do hold a big responsibility. And unfortunately, because a lot of people have lost my trust, if that is ever damaged then sometimes coming back from that is really difficult which is why we've had our ups and downs because even if it's something small that other people that might deal with you know normally it always feels like a big hit for me so yeah it's it's tough but i definitely know that i i i want to be independent but i don't like being without somebody to have this i can't imagine having no family and no you mm. i love you so much love my you. best friend my rock my everything thank you so much for coming on to my podcast we still don't have a name because i'm so indecisive and i genuinely feel like my heart is telling me the name will come up in the next few episodes yes
1: <laughs> yeah and that's what we were saying so, i've flown back just for this i landed from italy i know this morning and i leave tomorrow
0: yeah because you're such an amazing support system and i really appreciate that I love I talking to you really today. I just really
1: wanted some knefe. That's why I actually came back. <laughs>
0: knefe, yes. Let's Have you go got some at home? No. I let's go, go get knefe tonight for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Knefe and the office. That's our guilty pleasure. Amazing. C- watching the office and eating kinefe. Um, I love you so much. Thank you for being on my podcast. I can't wait for you to come back. Yeah, let's go me. pick up Callie. Let's go get <laughs> Callie, our daughter. <laughs> Bye.